is Alicia Christian, and welcome to the Eating Me Podcast. Hey, y'all, it's Alicia, and welcome back to the Eating Me Podcast. Y'all, this journey of liberation has been so amazing, and each conversation brings different insight into what liberation looks like for that particular individual. And so this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Portia M. Holland Atumba about her work in maternal health and how it has shaped uh, just the actual future of maternal health uh, going forward. I think about myself when I was pregnant and how I would have loved to have had um, a doula or a birth worker to kind of like lead me through that process. And for those who have those opportunities, it's a blessing. And so, you know, I can't wait for y'all to hear this conversation that I had with uh, Portia. It was insightful for me, inspiring, and just, uh, it's just so encouraging. And like I said, I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we get into that conversation, I'm going to let you know a bit about Portia, and then we'll go from there. Portia M. Holland Atumba is a Philly native, wife, girl mom, and HBCU alum of Tuskegee University. Portia is a third generation preeclampsia survivor and has experienced birth trauma. Her first birth and lactation journey in 2017 led her to answer the call to address the outrageous Black maternal health crisis in the U.S., starting in her own city. Portia has supported families as a birth and postpartum doula, childbirth educator, and lactation counselor. She is now the founder and lead consultant of Reclaim Black Motherhood, LLC, dedicated to coaching birth workers and contributing to program development, curriculum building, and research efforts in the birth, postpartum, mental health, and lactation spaces. Y'all, I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. It was so impactful and powerful, and oh my goodness, you're going to enjoy it, I know. So I'm not going to keep you waiting. So without further ado, please welcome Portia to the podcast. I am so excited because I have Portia M. Holland Atumba here on the podcast, y'all. And I'm really excited because we are still talking about this whole idea around liberation uh, as it relates to the Black experience in America. And I'm so excited. And thank you so much, Portia, for coming on today to talk about how you feel about that, and also the amazing work that you do as a doula and, and, and just in the world of maternal health for Black women. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to be here, and Black maternal health is my thing, so I'm always ready to talk about it, okay? Okay, so before we even go on that liberation tip, which will probably lead into that, because I feel like maternal health, there's so much um, limitation on the Black person in healthcare. Uh, let alone maternal health. Um, but how did you get started in maternal health? Like, where did that where did that come from? It's like, okay, this is my mission. Like, this is where I need to go. Yeah. So um, I grew up taking care of babies as like when I was walking myself. Um, my younger brother was a year younger than me, so I would carry him around, baby him, 
as soon as I could, I was babysitting come middle school, you know, getting my little money to go to the movies and stuff. Camp counselor always had children around me and was fascinated with the pregnant body, though I didn't know a whole lot about it. And so I went to school, went to an HBCU, Tuskegee in Alabama and uh, pursued biology and was passionate about public health and then come full circle after graduating, coming back home to Philly, unplanned, unexpected pregnancy um, in 2017. And that just spurred me on this continued learning journey, but then also having an unfavorable traumatic birthing experience, difficulties around breastfeeding, just seeing some disparities and issues that I could finally put language to and experience to was like, oh no, I got to do something for my people. And so I tell this story all the time. I started cold calling anybody in Philly that I could that was doing anything related to, I saw maybe moms or maternal health. I'm cold calling them, what's up? And so I reach out to someone at Maternity Care Coalition where there was a community doula and breastfeeding program. And they actually provided my doula for me and it was free of charge. And so get on the phone with the director at the time, Naima Black, I will forever say her name. She's the wow. one of the people that really is the catalyst for the work that I do. And she was like, I'm plugging you in. I hear you, I'm, I'm feeling you in terms of your experience and I'm gonna plug you in. And the very first training that they had coming up was a breastfeeding peer counselor training. And I'm sitting up here like, I struggled with this. My baby mm. wouldn't latch. I pumped for a couple months. I was in the process of giving up because I got this infant crying in the background. Right. I'm combo feeding, giving her formula. So I'm feeling guilt about that because that wasn't the plan. But I had this cesarean and these challenges and I'm a single mom and I'm going through the, the battles of that kind of foolishness. And so I'm like, you want me to get started with this? And she's like, I believe you can do great in this. And wow. I did. I took that training surrounded by other ladies. There was no judgment and nobody looking at me crazy because of how I was feeding my baby. And I literally helped dozens of folks immediately get their lactation journey off to a great start, like immediately trained and immediately got out there. It's like Naima knew that I was born for this. And so I trained to be a doula um, shortly after and already had folks waiting to want to work with me. <laughs> and so getting thrown into this work while having a baby on my hip and my community around me to support me for those late nights in the hospital and all that kind of stuff, helping people with their babies. It just, I just saw those years of fascination, of obsession, even with pregnant people asking 50 million questions, holding babies all the time. It just came full circle to me because of my own trauma and, and loss and difficulty with my own first birthing experience. Okay. First of all, that is beyond Beautiful and amazing to me because like I was saying to you before, we were talking before this, y'all, and I was sharing with you that I had a, well, I actually, I didn't go further into like real detail. I had a similar experience. Like as you were kind of like explaining more just now, I was like, oh shit, we had like a very similar experience because, no, I'm serious, because I was a single mom just trying to figure this thing out on my own. 28 years old. I didn't know what that was. I mean, it's, for some people, being 28, you're a bit more mature. I was not a mature 28, keeping it all the way real. Like, I was, you know, God bless. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, whatever. But the point of it is, is that I did not have anyone or any idea about there were all these additional resources that could possibly be afforded to me, particularly, like, a doula. Like, I remember there was a doula in my building that I lived in 
black woman, but I knew she charged and I was afraid to even touch base with her because I was like, mm. I am on Medicaid. Like I am bare. I can barely pay my rent, let alone mm. try to have a doula. So the, no, there are free doula services. Like that's amazing. Yes. yes. And it, there's a lot of community-based programs across the country and particularly mm -hmm. in your larger urban areas, you're going to find more support. So your Chicago's, your mm -hmm. ATL's, your Detroit's, your New York's, your Philly's, um, your LA's, right? And so there's even a lot of work now happening um, for Medicaid to cover the expenses for doulas. And so mm -hmm. to have someone that can be with you, that is knowledgeable, that has studied, that knows physiological labor and birth, that knows how pregnancy progresses and is available to you beyond the seven minutes that your provider at the clinic or the hospital is. They just don't have the time. And so right. this person is there, though they're not doing blood work and running those medical things for you, they are there to offer education, support, to be with you throughout the process, to help you family to help you find other resources and support. And there's oftentimes reimbursement, straight up grants to help mm. along the way. And so I appreciate your transparency with that, Alicia, because sometimes we look at coins and we stop, but hit us up or hit somebody yeah. like me up that can help you decipher and look through the resources because it might be partial payment or it might be that there's fully a grant in your area and you can jump on it. There might be virtual support. If you're like, I want my mom there, my cousin there, my auntie there, it's not enough room for anybody else anyway. Someone can still give you that education and support virtually. And there mm -hmm. are ways to get that help. And so we need to know that. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Don't let coins stand in the way. There are yes. literally funds. There are literally white tears that we are taking these coins and using this to help support the mission. So we're going to yeah. find a way to make sure you have that home birth, to have that lactation support, to have that doula, whatever it is that you need. We can find coins for it. It's out there. My yeah. mind is like blown right now. Like Obviously, that was 16 years ago. My daughter's 16 now, which is, that's a whole other story. I'm like, I can't believe it's been 16 years. Like, what? But yeah, that, that's for me to kind of like lump, <laughs> go through my own process. I'm on but like, I was like, how did we get here? What happened? But like, <laughs> you made it though. You made it. I made it. Like, seriously, which is amazing. And she is an amazing kid. You know, like I, I've talked about her all the time, but um. For those who might not know, they're like, okay, I've heard of what a doula is, but what is a doula and what is their function during the actual pregnancy process? Mm, yeah. So doulas or birth keepers, uh, birth mm -hmm. workers, labor coaches, you might hear a bunch of different terminology. A lot of melanin folks are moving away from terminology around doula just because of what it means. Right. And okay. just this servant slave kind of a thing. Um, mm. And because this work has been indigenous for us and has been ancestral for us before somebody came up with this word doula, that's what mm. we did. Home birth was the norm, right? There right. were hospitals and white coats are new, y'all. So right. if you have elders and gray hairs in your family that you could talk to or that are in your community, some of them will say, we was on the kitchen floor, we was in the back room. You look at old black and white films and movies, folks was having their babies at home and right. women came around them to support them. And that's the spirit and essence of a doula. And so there is training. There is certification. There are tons of organizations across the globe that will teach you the basics from conception all the way through birth. 
Mm-hmm. in a way that we don't learn in K to 12, that is not built into curriculum. Right. And so we're learning about progression. We're learning about medication, um, vitamin deficiency, symptoms, just different things that are helpful to offer and aid support. So if we get matched and we start working together, maybe you're three, four months pregnant, um, I'm going to jump right in and start giving some education, find out what you know, what you're comfortable with, what concerns you have. Um, are you diabetic, right? Did you have some type of pre-existing condition? Are you afraid because of what you heard your mom and your grandmom go through? So how can we bring forth some education and support there, helping you figure out the best route to go? Should you be birthing at a hospital, a birth center in your area, possibly home birth if it isn't illegal where you live? Because that's a whole nother situation wow. in 2024, right? Should you be working with an OBGYN, right? An obstetrician. Should you be working with a midwife in the hospital or birth center, which is a CNM, a certified nurse midwife? Should you be doing a home birth with a traditional midwife or a CPM? We're going to help you kind of decipher where you should be, what's the best for you, help answer questions, um, give you resources, blogs, evidence, tools to help you decide what you want to do And then there's something called this, um, um, like a birth preference or a birth plan. Yes, you have choices. Yes, you have options. So did you know whoever's with you can cut the cord or actually catch your baby if you're giving birth vaginally? If you do have a cesarean, there is something called a gentle cesarean where they can lower the drape and you can see your baby emerge and play nice music and have more of a gentle experience. Um, Circumcision, if you're having a boy, you can do it how you want to. You ain't got to do what they tell you to do. Mm-hmm. You can say no to formula if you don't want formula immediately. You can do skin to skin and hold your baby on you as soon as they come out. There's so much great benefits there as opposed to putting them in a warmer and sticking them to the corner, right? Mm-hmm. So we're helping you go through this overwhelming but beautiful set of options that you have and to decipher how you want to do that. And then when it comes to labor and birth, we're there with you. We're on call, so to speak. And so as you're starting to see that mucus plug, that little jelly bean-like tinged with blood thing coming out, we're going to say, it's all right, boo. Your life ain't over. This is the beginning. Your cervix is saying, come on, baby, let's get ready to go. Right. We're with you, giving you the signs and the tools, checking in with you, spending that time with you. And then after baby comes, we're there to offer some support as well. You can truly get postpartum doula support only for someone Mm -hmm. to be with you for those early days to help you transition, healing your body, feeding yourself good foods, making sure you're getting help feeding the baby and giving the baby a bath. If you've maybe never babysat or taking care of a baby, that's scary. How do I give them a bath? How do I change diapers and not hit that umbilical cord, right? Mm. In the wrong way. So we're there to give education, coaching, and really help the birthing person and whoever's in their tribe, their community, have the tools they need to make sure they're well, because this is their family. Wow. Okay. First of all, that I am like sitting here almost speechless, which is very rare for me because I'm just like, <laughs> There's so many things that I didn't even realize that, you know, that, that you offer, you know what I'm saying? Even that postpartum piece, because that was key for me, what you just said, because I remember I babysat, I was a nanny, all the things before I had my daughter. And I remember when I went home with her, I was just looking at her like, Oh, okay. (laughs) We're home. And Mm -hmm. what what are you going to do? Because (laughs) What? Like I was just overwhelmed, right? And to know that someone could be there to kind of like help you with that transition, 
That is that's a game changer because I didn't. I, I'm trying to think. I might have had an opportunity when she was, you know, when I was just with her alone to take a shower maybe once or twice. Like people had to come over to help because it was like you just don't have those opportunities, especially as a single mom. Yeah, it's just you me. Can't. It's a lot. It's a lot. And then you may be like, they cry. So can I leave them for a minute? So then, of course, and it's funny, there's a lot of scenes of, you know, postpartum doulas or during that postpartum time walking through the house. And it's like a boob is leaking and the hair is over here and dishes are piled up and the trash stinks and the baby's crying and mom stinks because the Mm. hormones are just off the chain. Right. Right. So not only can your skin change, your hair change, baby, you're going to be smelling. And it's all right. You might be peeing on yourself, pooping on yourself too. That's all right. That's all right. But when somebody come through the door and offer some help and say, I'll hold this baby, please go wash your tail. Please go eat. (laughs) Yes. I can smell you when I hit the door. It's love. Right. It's love. Because I know even as one that has given it as a duel and supported plenty of people, I needed it. Second time around, most recently, my almost two-year-old, all of the birth workers and maternal health folks that I know in Philly, they were at my door. They was here holding the baby so I could wash my behind. They was right. fixing They was fixing meals. They was getting the milk together. They was helping me pump and do what I needed to do to relieve my breasts. Like they were sitting here like we got the food. One came in with a food. One came in with this. One came in with that. And I'm just crying like, help your girl out. Okay. <laughs> help, your girl, help your girl out. So we all need it. And that's that community spirit again that was there when we had grandmoms, aunties and all of them around us. Mm-hmm. Some of us don't have that. We may not know who our family is. Our family may have gone on. They're no longer here. We may have difficult relationships. They might be living all over the globe. But before all of this in our tribal communities, that's what the women did. Mm -hmm. Everything stopped to take care of the person that just gave birth. And so that is the spirit that birth workers and birth keepers have, which unfortunately, because of this society that we live in has been lost because nobody values the birthing person anymore. Nobody values babies and bumps anymore. Right. And so that's what we're doing. And yes, it's a service. Yes, there's a fee. The workman needs to get their wages because stuff is high. But again, there's ways to get those things paid for and people that write grants and raise money and advocate with your local government to make sure that they're paying for it so that families can get what they need and take a deep breath and just be a parent. Mm. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I was just thinking, I was like, I think my sister, my oldest sister, I think she was born at home. And like the women, a lot of the women, uh, like my mom and my aunts and all, they have all passed on. But I do recall them talking about like just kind of like in, in a joking way, like how they were helping so and so and she was, you know, how long her labor was and this, that and the other. And it's just like it's such a beautiful it was like those conversations. I remember them distinctively because I was like, how, why you know, in my mind, why aren't you going to the hospital? You know what I'm saying? Because that's mm-hmm. what I've known. You know, right. that's what we a lot of us knew. But there's still like now thinking about it's like those stories are so beautiful because it's like, wow, like y'all really came together. To help one another in a way that I think, at least for me, I would maybe be a bit more like almost embarrassed. Like, you're not going to be looking at me looking at me like that down there. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't even, it's like, girl, we all have the same parts. Like, get yourself together. Like, right. what are you doing? Like, I love that. And do you think more women are going towards that type of care as opposed to just strictly solely relying on like the, the Western medicine approach? 
Yeah, we're definitely seeing shifts. Um, mm -hmm. There was a lot of shifts happening before, even though midwives have been demonized and and home birth has been considered um, taboo and dirty. And there mm -hmm. was, um, you know, there's places where home birth is still illegal. Um, whatever that means, it's just kind of ridiculous. There's still people that were fighting for it. There are people having mm -hmm. free births that are like, forget it. I'll be out in the woods, in the backyard, wherever, having my baby because I ain't got time for y'all. Right. Um, I want to be under the grid. I don't want my baby with no social security number and birth certificate. I don't want y'all attaching no dollars to my child. I mean, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of things. But um, the pandemic definitely helped to put it on blast. I remember hearing right. stories in New York. You know, everything shut down. You can't come with nobody. And then you start hearing names. This one passed. This one almost passed. And now since Black maternal mortality, the rate of people dying and morbidity, those near misses almost, right? Now, since that's being plastered in media, we're hearing it so much more in these last few years. Mm. And so people were literally like, forget this. I'm out. I'm staying at the house. You're telling me I can't bring nobody? What is COVID? Y'all can't even define what it is. So that helped all the more people push to understand that they have options and to jump ship and be like, forget this. I'm out. Y'all not taking care of us. It's all in the media. It's all in the news. I'm cool. Right. And so it definitely has grown overwhelmingly to the point that a lot of us in cities across the country are doing the best we can to raise money, to hurry up and build birth centers, to train midwives as quick as possible, mm -hmm. like anything we can do to help for the demand of people that are like, I'm, I'm not dealing with the MIC or the medical industrial complex. I'm done with them. The MIC. That's my, that's the first time I've ever heard that. The MIC, mm -hmm. the medical industrial complex. Wow. Yeah, because it's a hot mess. It is. It the is. is a mess. And so people saying, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and I'm out. And it's funny because, like, when I was working in the actual clinical set in, in clinical settings, it was just, it was so complex and it was just so all over the place. And what I thought I was going to be doing, I think a lot of people that go into healthcare, when they get into it and they see the reality of it, it's like, oh, this is not at least for me and the people that I've been around it's like this is not what I thought it was going to be yeah. and it's, it's heartbreaking because it's mm -hmm. like I thought I was here to help people I thought I was here to really raise awareness and educate people about their overall health and it's at the end of the day it's about the dollar and it's like okay I now that I know I know how to move forward but that's a whole other story <laughs> you know seriously but you know for um I wanted to shift into what you were saying about the disparities of black women um, that um, have gone through like a pregnancy or have dealt with like maternal health in a way of like the the disparities that we see in that, right? Because I was just sharing with you, I thought um, that initially when I uh, went through my whole process, when I was in labor and actually in the hospital having my daughter, I thought the reason why they were treating me the way that they were treating me was because I was on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. And later, as I, you know, got into the healthcare world and saw that, oh, th this is a trend, like this is a thing, like that, this is, th and this goes not only with the maternal side, this goes beyond uh, black uh, women have giving birth. This is just what the healthcare system does to black people. Um, how do you see? Because of this whole idea of creating more like birthing centers and stuff like that, do you think a lot of people are gravitating towards 
the alternative because of what they're seeing now and because it's more in the forefront or is it just because they're like, no, I want to have this process or I want to go through this process because I feel like it's just a natural or is it like a mix? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think as education is, see, the education is helping. Yeah. As people and social media is helping. People mm -hmm. are shooting their home births. Herbalists are telling you different ways to treat things that you don't have to be pumped full of medication because they heard about the side effects from their girlfriend that just had a baby mm -hmm. because of all this medicine they gave them. And now someone's going viral as a Herbal is saying you could have used this and wouldn't have got the side effects. So people are seeing that there is a better holistic option. We are talking to more elders. All mm. of these documentaries are out now capturing our grand midwives that were in the South doing this work, that were pulling um, from medicine that they knew about and that we're doing things holistically and we're having gardens and feeding the community while they were also helping people have their babies. So this is becoming common knowledge. So you're seeing younger people even just become more aware and there it's a sense of like reclaiming their body, reclaiming their 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 choice in the matter. And we're because of that education and the research and the things that exist, we're bucking against what previous generations just said. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. We ain't doing that. We got right. a question for everything. Google has helped us also to satisfy that itch. And so I think that there is a combination of folks that are just being educated and saying, dang, there's a better option yeah. and that might fit for me or they're being let down because they're in obstetric deserts like Georgia, where you got mm. to travel miles and miles and miles to even find an OB. So what's the point? Right. If I ain't got no car and I'm trying to make it. And by the time, you know, my boyfriend or my cousin get off from work to take me, y'all are through with appointments. I got to find another alternative. What do you mean? Right. Right. How you got two doctors for 10,000 people in Georgia in 2024 in what is supposed to be the greatest country? America's supposed to be great? Oh, okay, I'm confused. And so people are like, yes, they're either being forced to or they're being educated and liberated in such a way that they're like, I don't have to do what y'all telling me to do. Oh my gosh. I, I am just in here like, yes, yes, yes. This is the liberation around this because I felt so trapped 16 years ago mm. when I was pregnant and I just felt like, okay, th this is the... I'm limited to these options because one, I'm on Medicaid and I don't have any money. And two, I, I don't know enough about the medical system to even fight anything. So I have to trust these people, right? You know what I'm saying? The, the fact that we have all this social media now and all this education that's just at our fingertips it's, it's a blessing. And it is, this is, this is the liberation around all this that, women in the like I'm so happy we're having this conversation because I just felt so lost when I was pregnant I did not know what the hell was going on I just knew I had to get through it whatever that meant you know what I'm saying wow, wow. and that's real and choices aren't often offered to us I was actually talking to a sister yesterday that I had just met breast cancer survivor and before treatment begins they're supposed to talk to you about fertility because mm. treatment can absolutely impact your fertility. And so if you're young under 40 and you haven't had children yet and your provider didn't bring that up to you and they just start on with your cancer treatment and then you decide a couple years later, I think I do want to have a little one and now we got problems, they skipped a very important conversation with you. Mm. 
Now, back in the day, they may not have known that. They didn't see the correlation. There wasn't right. the research. But today they know. So to tell, you know, um, white Sarah about that option, but to not uh, tell black Selena, mm -hmm. th that's a problem. How right. do you know what Selena wanted to do with her body? Right. You know, whether single by choice, whether married, partner, whether running to the sperm bank, it don't matter. We have the right to have children or not have children in the way we desire to. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing even that small but powerful example showing up all over the place in terms mm -hmm. of the limitations, the lack of education, the lack of support. So sister, friend, cousin, you know, uncle, granddad, whoever is listening, your baby, your friend, you your cousin, your baby mom may not get that type of care and support within the hospital system. Don't necessarily even expect it there. Mm. You got to have some support from somewhere else. And that's where birth workers and birth keepers come in to make sure that you are fully equipped for the fight ahead. Because mm -hmm. it's not just pregnancy and birth. You still got to go back to that pediatrician and be like, my baby been coughing for a week. I don't care what y'all say. You're going to do something now. This rash was on their arm and now it's spread to their back and now it's on their neck. I need a right. dermatologist today. You need that same fight and that same fire throughout their whole entire life when they're saying they need to be on meds just because they were talking during class when you already know there's nothing wrong with your child. Mm. That fight is going to continue as you drop mm. them off at college and somebody saying something smart when you got receipts because you already done paid their bill for tuition. It, right. it, it's a forever. Being Black in America, it's a forever fight. Right. So a lot of us just get started with it in childbirth, but baby, that thing continues. Yes. So you got to get that grit and find that community today. Mm. Day. If you just peed on the stick, if you're thinking about planning, you're six months pregnant already, you just had your baby last month, or you know somebody that is, grab somebody that's black and pregnant in your life and make sure that they know that they have options and people that can advocate with them, right? And help them learn how to advocate for themselves because you need it for life. That's just the reality, being black in America. That hit me so hard. Like, you have no idea because it's just like, I remember seeing um, it was like an interview with one of the when it was some white celebrity mom, and I, I mean I'm hoping she was being sincere. That that's a whole other story. But the point of it is, is that she was like the black woman's experience with being a parent. I will never understand that struggle because all of the things that they have to fight for, and I'm totally paraphrasing, but like all the things they have to fight for just for their child to exist. And then on top of that, to pray that they that child remains safe while they're not in my care. Like it is there's just so much work around it that I mm -hmm. would I, I don't I would completely fall apart. So like to have all of these struggles, and then on top of that, even before like at the pregnancy, like it's just like it just never ends. It's like from the start to the end, it's just it's you're constantly in this state of like, I've got to fight, I've got to fight, I've got to fight, you know? Yep. And and they wonder why we die in a cardiovascular disease um, yeah. and we're filling up therapy sessions um, and we got to try to take a vacation every quarter. Um, and, you know, all the other things that's going on, even if we're vegan and even if we're doing yoga mm -hmm. five times a week, because being black is bad for your health in America. Yeah, it's bad for your health. And so it's not we all eating ham hocks, sitting on our behind playing video games as to why some of our medical outcomes look crazy. It's y'all. 
Right. It's, it's, it's the people that have perpetuated this foolishness. Y'all is the cause to this foolishness, i.e. social determinants of health. And so the policing, I can't ride down the street. I can't even have a cookout. I can't blast a little mute. I can't do nothing for fear of whatever. Our children can't knock on the wrong door by mistake. Maybe they mixed up their nine and their six. Right. I, I, like we can't do nothing. And so we wondering why outcomes look so bad for stuff. It all goes back to race. And I hate to say it in terms like for because some people is such an awakening, like they're just discovering it. But it's like everything has been set up right. to purposely keep us down. Great. We finally got the news that the slaves was free. Y'all had right. another five other six contraptions already set up. Right. OK, just look at the Constitution. OK, I'm in Philly. Just just start there. Right. Y'all already had other stuff set up for us. And we wonder why we can't make it and this, this, that, and that. Yeah, yes, we can overcome. Yes, there's some things we can do. But historically, when we've tried to build things and do things, there's been sabotage. People would come up missing or dead. You know, like, so it's like being Black in America is bad for your health. So we already got to stomach that and then say, that's all the more reason why reproductive justice and that tenant and that framework is so huge. Mm -hmm. And yes, it was black women that coined it. And yes, it was for us. Okay. Because some of these other movements were not for us. It mm -hmm. was for white women. They wasn't right. for us. Reproductive right. justice is for us to say we can, and we shall have children or not have children in the way that we desire to. We will parent in the ways that we need to, and we will find and gain and gather those supports that we need for that particular cause. And we should be afforded that. So that's why we're still fighting about um, abortion and all these other things. When, when the babies get here, y'all act crazy. Y'all cut off the insurance when they turn one, like they don't still need insurance, but y'all said they need all these vaccines. I'm confused. Right. right. So do you want me to have the child or not? Right. Okay. But then you're looking at me crazy if I want to terminate. I'm I'm confused. I'm, a, I'm confused with <laughs> men politicians that have right. never had a uterus and that will never be able to give birth. I'm confused by y'all. I'm confused. Right. How do you have any say in my body? I thought we were free. I thought this was America. Or do we truly have autonomy over our body? Mm. Does our body really belong to us? Mm. Let me know because I'm confused. Or maybe I need to move to another planet where I can truly own my own body. Because y'all told me it was mine. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. And so this is the foolishness we have to face and interface and deal with. And so if we're not doing our due diligence as the Black community to ensure that people know that supports exist for them, mm. we're going to continue to have problems. We're going to continue to go without what is needed. We're not going to see liberation in reproductive and maternal health and in those spectrums and journeys going all the way through menopause, because that's a mm. whole other situation where you need to yes. We're not going to see paid time off. We're not going to see these employees flex to make sure that people are able to breastfeed while they're at work and pump and have safe, clean spaces. We're going to have people standing for ridiculously long hours. We're pregnant. We're going to still continue to have that stuff unless right. we truly get together and do some of this fighting and advocacy and education. And that is the liberation movement around reproductive justice or RJ and maternal health. Like it's mm -hmm. continuous. So wow. it's all hands on deck if we're going to make it. Right. You know, I, I, that I just, it's so wild that we still in 2024, that we are still fighting for basic rights around just having a child. Like I, I don't even understand that, but then we have, like, like you said, it's like you, you're, you're claiming this whole pro-life stance and all this, but it's like, everything but after the child is here it's like 
why where is the pro-life like what we don't care and then we get to school there you know we're fighting right now with child care Right. Why is child care a concern? Y'all telling us to have the children. I'm confused. So we put them on a rocket ship and send them to another planet because y'all don't want them. Right. Then the schools absolutely suck. You pay the teachers like they're idiots. You pay the teachers like they idiots. Like they didn't right. get all these student loans to learn. You treat them like crap. The class is overcrowded. The food is worse than what um folks that are incarcerated are getting. But then you mad when the babies don't know how to read, they getting pushed through, but then you built enough cells to accommodate those mm. that are not reading at re grade level by fourth grade. And that's why in mm. Philly, we got the read by fourth campaign. Because if you're not reading by grade level, by fourth grade, there's already a cell waiting for you. Raquan, Manisha, mm. mm. Samantha, Charles, Leroy, it's a, it's a cell waiting on you already. Wow. So it's like, we're fighting for the shortest portion of their life. Conception to nine months, baby, that's the shortest portion of their life. Right. K to 12 takes up a huge chunk. Right. And then don't get me started on post-secondary, right? And all of that. Right. And, and right. the job market and access to affordable housing and all this type of stuff and no ownership because we don't get to own no land here. And yeah. so it's just like, Yes, this is it's it's ridiculous. And it's like, do we really care? When I was talking to a girlfriend when I was pregnant, she was like, um, she moved to Germany, she's a therapist, got a great opportunity there. And she said, Girl, you know, just having some struggles around, you know, some reproductive things and getting care there and the herbs and the food and the environment so much better that she's doing much better than she is here. And we hear it all the time. Yeah. Stuff that's on our shelves here are illegal in other places. And one of the providers was like, y'all are so drug seeking in America. What is the problem? Yes. What is wrong with y'all? But that's because that's all they push. Mm -hmm. And so there is no holistic care and support. If people come up with things, there's a way to say, oh, it's oh, we don't know about this or you got to seek this or the FDA didn't approve it. The FDA so they can be trusted. The FDA mm -hmm. USDA can be trusted. Oh, I didn't know they could be trusted. Not with right. the stuff they they allow out. But I guess they can be trusted because they're telling us herbs are wrong and to listen to them. Okay, All I'm right. confused. When people in other countries are living to 110 and everybody here dying at 60. I'm that I'm part. confused. That part. And so these are the types of things that we're battling against. Where as as I was saying with my friend, she was even saying, You want to come here and have your baby here in Germany? You'll get all this care and support. You'll be taken care of. You'll have this full team around you, not worrying about, oh, my job going to be gone. I got to go right back to the post office in two weeks. I got to go here. And I'm just like, in America, that y'all keep saying is great. I'm confused. Mm -hmm. If we don't have babies, if we don't have children, we don't have society. So how are we not taking care of those basic things? How are we not ensuring that people's jobs are still there? If they have had a baby, how are we not paying them for up to a year? How are we not? Right. How are we? How are we not? Like, I'm I'm so, 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 so confused. And it just continues to prove the racist, you know, patriarch, patriarchal society that we live in. They care not about children and babies. And it shows up in so many different ways. And so the fact that we're fighting for this nine months to the first two years of life, then where's the hope for the rest? So yes, to mm. that celebrity's point, you won't know the plight of being a black mom in America yes. because it's enough to be on so many um, antidepressant, 
anti-anxiety medications, drinking, using whatever you can just to make it yes. through that we're trying to cope. Okay. It ain't no wonder we all ain't walking around high 24-7 because we're trying to cope with the yes. fact that y'all trying to kill us and our babies. That's the reality. So exactly. we're trying to cope because we just want to live. So yeah, y'all don't understand. Y'all never will. <laughs> never will. God bless. It is insane. And it's just like that all of that was just like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I wanted to ask you before it leaves my brain, because that's how my brain works now. 45. That's got to keep it real here. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of birth keepers helping individuals that have men in their lives around this education. What does that look like in terms of incorporating them into this whole process of understanding what the birthing process looks like for a woman um, and how they can be a support in, in this whole process in general? Yes, absolutely. So I will say that there are some male identifying birth keepers and I got to shout them out. We got some so male, cool. members, male identifying birth keepers, male midwives, um, uh -huh. men identifying midwives. So we, we thank them for doing this work and for um, just loving us well. Um, I also have to shout out my now husband um, who made it his business to learn this work just as much as mm -hmm. I'm passionate about it and to be standing right there like this when I had <laughs> our last child, Ade Sola, um, because he was given, right, these tools. I made sure that our doula and the midwife that we um, ended up getting care from were going to be fully inclusive. Mm -hmm. And so if you are thinking about doing this work, being a birth keeper, or you are, you absolutely need to include the entire community that the birthing right. person identified. Right. I don't care if it's their cousin, their granddad, because their parents have passed away and that's who raised mm -hmm. them. Their cousin, I don't care if it's their neighbor down the street, a sorority sister, that is their tribe. We are there temporarily to provide a service, to love on them. We are not their chosen group for life, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. They might tell us when a baby birthday come up or give us a little update here and there. But their community, their tribe needs to be involved. So particularly for the men there, um, for me, how I approached it is wherever a male was involved, which most of my clients did have a male involved somewhere, whether they were living in different places, going through a divorce, whatever. There was education mutually for both of them. When I did check ins, it was both of them. So, Dad, how you feeling? And I made sure I put that on there because you are dad. I know the okay. baby ain't here Earthside yet, but you are dead. Walk into your calling. How are you feeling about this? Where do your questions lie? Right. It's not just about the birthing person. It's about their community as well. So that also makes this work layered because it might be some crying, some confessing. It might be, I would find myself praying over people, encouraging their marriages, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff. Dad would be texting me or calling me with fears and concerns. I'm trying to calm him down. It's going to be all right. I'm here Aww. to support you. Yeah. Right. Because your baby is going through, they're in pain or they're swelling or they've been throwing up for two months and mm -hmm. you feel helpless because you right. can't save them, which men want to do is save and protect. Right. And I have to encourage and speak into their manhood. Right. To let them know that them being there, them wiping her mouth, you know, wiping up the pee, helping to set up stuff, building the furniture. All of that is helping. All of that is being supportive. So I'm giving them play. I'm giving them real life instructions and feedback for those I engage with. Now I'm introducing my husband as someone that is experienced and that can offer support, particularly because we've had cesarean births. And so he knows about 
recovery and all the kind of stuff from that end and can give tips there. The breastfeeding piece, because he has helped four times over. And so he knows what to do with that. And so there's just a lot of those pieces about intentionally educating, but also saying you have power here. And so I remember my husband's face lighting up because we were pursuing a VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean. It's very possible to have a vaginal birth after cesarean. And our midwife was like, you want to catch the baby? Not just cut the cord. Cut the cord sounds cute. But she was like, do you want to catch the baby? Like baby's coming out. You could do that. And he's like, yeah. You know, like I'm in it. This is my child. We ended up having another cesarean. But the fact that he was like, right in it. Any question, any everything, she directed it to both of us. We were a unit. Even when my other child was present, she was checking the baby's heartbeat and doing all the things, being taught the way the baby when the baby came. Like That inclusive family environment is why folks tend to lean towards home birth. Mm. If they want Bay involved and Bay is there, involve Bay. <laughs> like, right. involve Bay. If he there, he trying, he want to be there, Involve him. He come in the house, kick off his shoes. How you doing? You bring past the meal after the baby comes. It should be for the both of them. Right. They are a unit. The baby wouldn't be here without Bay. So pay attention to Bay. And so that was huge for me. My education, everything was inclusive to make sure both were involved. Mm -hmm. Breastfeeding too. Because even though he's not taking off his shirt to breastfeed, he need to know how this thing work. Because when she falling asleep and he say, wait a minute, her head Wait, is the is the is the angle there? Is her is the baby's mouth fully open, Bay? Let me go grab you something to drink. Let me go grab you. Come on. Right. So that was very important to me personally in my practice to make sure men were involved and then to see it come full circle the next time around for me, not having that knowledge and my husband be involved. It's powerful. And men right. will tell you when they are, when they have been given that space and that push to own that thing, it absolutely impacts their fatherhood journey. Mm. And there's data about that. If you would involve them, the ones that want to be involved, involve them. Wow. Can't do nothing about the other ones. They they deal with that themselves, okay? But the ones that are trying to be there, they, they need a say in every single thing. And so, yes, it required a lot more work, a lot more patience to make sure two people were on the same page. And again, sometimes give them resources. Y'all need a couples counselor. I love y'all, but I ain't the couples counselor. I'm I'm here for breastfeeding, but I can make a recommendation. If y'all, we're also resourcing. Mm -hmm. He might be looking for a job. He might be in between jobs. Mm. We're resourcing. We're helping. Can he get paternity leave? We might be advocating for that. There's so many ways you can be there to help to support this brother as he's preparing for this baby, whether it's his first or his seventh. Mm, I love that. Because I feel like a lot of times people instantly think, oh, it's just the 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 woman or the, the person that's given the birth that has to deal with everything. And it's like, no, if there is a partner involved, bring them in so they feel included, you know? Please. Please. And I've seen it. The brothers that I have included. I mean, I don't even hold my doula babies because they don't know me. They don't want me. I'm there right. for their parents. But before I would leave a birthing space, I'm look. I'm thinking about all my babies and I'm thinking about I would not leave until dad took off his shirt and did skin to skin and held that baby. I would be like, I ain't going nowhere. I already yeah, told right, you. Right, right. Take that shirt off. I ain't worried about looking at you, but take that shirt off and get that baby. And they'll be like, okay, Portia. And they be <laughs> scared, holding the baby. Uh, they bring that baby close and then put a blanket and you could see 
their manhood just come to like this beautiful blossoming to know that there are many benefits to skin to skin. That baby calms down. It regulates heart beat. It regulates temperature. That baby is going to be like, that's that voice I heard all my life talking to my mama. That's that man who I would hear singing to me or reading to me. You would see babies lift their head to look up, to stare at them. Babies are beyond brilliant. Right. It would just do something. And I would be sitting there like, yep, now, now I can leave. Because I've mm -hmm. seen not just that bond and that kind of transition happen with mom, but I need it for you as well. And right. to come past the house and see these dads swinging their babies around, laughing and singing, and them holding the baby more than mom. And mom's sitting there like, you going to give me my baby? <laughs> right. That is a beautiful tussle. I'm down for right. it. Right. You kissing them, singing them, holding them. And those are the things that have been going viral. And when mm -hmm. I see that, I intentionally share that to my social media and all that to be like black fathers exist. They are uh. here. Them babies don't scream for me when I walk in the door. When my husband walks in the door, they stop eating. They stop whatever. Stop eating. That's huge. Right. They stop eating and they run to that door. Th that's powerful. Right. So if a father is there, we need to be promoting and pushing that, period. Grandmom, go somewhere, sit down. Auntie, mm -hmm. you can come pass another day. This is time for dad. Okay? Right. The one that's going to be there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. So that's very important to me. I do not play about that at all. Where, where male engagement is, even for an uncle, granddad, whatever, we need to promote and push that. Right. Period. I love that. Oh, my gosh, Portia. I could talk to you all day. But before we go, I wanted to... I wanted you to just tell people, like, if they're interested in working with you, how can they get in touch with you? And then also just beyond the birth keeping, birth keeper, right? Birth keeping yeah. services. What other services do you offer to people um, around reproductive, not reproductive, but just maternal health? Yeah, absolutely. And so my um, my like very strong skill areas are around birth preparation, the postpartum personal experience wise, and that I've studied a lot about cesarean births, preeclampsia, exclusive pumping. So if mm. your baby doesn't latch or you don't want them to latch for whatever reason, your breasts still have goodness in them. And we can work through pumping to make sure that they're getting it, whether through a syringe, a cup or a bottle, especially if you're going back to work or school or someone else is coming in to care for baby. Um, and and so with my services currently, though, I'm, I don't do on call for birth anymore. So my Philly people know I got plenty of recommendations for you. I have personal connections throughout the state of Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Alabama, um, and Maryland, too. I have some folks as well or have access to helping you to get those places, New York as well. If you are looking for someone to physically provide that support for you and you're not in the greater Philadelphia area, I do provide virtual consults. So if you're like, I'm pregnant on the stick. I don't even know what's next. How do I decipher this? What's the budget? How can I get it paid for? Whatever. I provide virtual consults for birth prep, thriving in the postpartum and lactation. And so reclaimblackmotherhood.com or Facebook IG Reclaim Black Motherhood. That's my firm. That's how you can book some time with me. You can also do a pick your brain session if you're like, I'm thinking about maybe doing this work or advocating and I want to kind of learn more. I'm glad to chat with you there um, and just give some insight there. And for my birth workers, my birth keepers, my maternal health advocates, you're growing your private practice. You want to be maybe full time and making your own coin in this space. 
Um, I do coach and help people build their businesses and my clients are thriving and doing well. And so you can also reach out to me for birth worker coaching and support. And so speaking, consulting and research is my main thing these days. And so if anyone's doing anything related to black maternal health, postpartum, breastfeeding or mental health, perinatal mental health is also a specialty of mine mm. in that thing. So hit me up. I'm truly all things black maternal health. I love that. And I would love if you could come back on the podcast at some point to talk about the maternal mental health. Yes, child. It's a lot. Because yes. I, I think people really, you know, just want to just kind of brush over that because that, as you said that, once I came out of your mouth, like, ooh, child, I remember. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And people don't know about it. And so we have a lot of issues there. And so I do put out a lot of content about the different types of disorders, what's going on, Mm -hmm. everything from conception to those first few years after birth is a specialized area. And so even with that, if you're in the postpartum and you're like, I'm trying to figure out what therapists can help me, not all therapists know what to do. So don't just pick one random one. You need a specialized person. You don't go to the orthopedic when you got skin issues. You go to the dermatologist. So we need to make sure you're going to the right people. And that's literally some of the support I provide in taking your scenario and helping you find what's going to be best for your journey. Oh, my gosh. Portia, you are the bomb. Like, for real. Thank you so, so much. And all of Portia's information, I'm going to share in the show notes with y'all. Thank you so much again. This was everything. You have no idea. Thank you. I'm so glad. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to chit chat with you. (laughs) Yes, y'all. And thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Eating Me Podcast, y'all. I'll see you next week. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Eating Me Podcast. I am so happy that you all keep coming back to listen to these awesome conversations. And so please, if you have not, please subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't rated or reviewed the show, please take the time to rate and review the show. These conversations mean so much to me, and I hope they mean that much to you. So definitely continue to rate and review start rating and reviewing and continue to share or start sharing the podcast with those that you love or those that you're trying to love. (laughs) All right, y'all. I'll see y'all in the next episode. I love you. Bye. Thank you.